Today's first scripture reading comes from Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and can be found on page 933 of the New Bi- of your Pew Bibles. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's second scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and can be found on page 966 of the Pew Bibles. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned with a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. To God. So here, <clears throat> excuse me, here we are, just one short week before Christmas. Isn't that amazing? And um, I don't know about you, but when I was young, I thought the years went very, very slowly. And it took a long time to get to Christmas. Now I'm at the age where they seem to rush past, and I think, my, that was yesterday or the day before that we were celebrating Christmas last year. But I want to, um, today, welcome all of you who are joining us on Zoom and those who are here today in person. And in that, I also want to mention to each one of us that During this Christmas week, there are several events here at IPC that I would encourage you, if you are at all possible within your schedule to make or enjoy, to please come and participate with that. You'll find those, of course, in the bulletin. But uh, today we want to continue in this short series of sermons about the birth of Jesus or the Advent time. 
And today we are continuing on as the Bible verses were read to us from Matthew chapter 2. You remember last week we talked from Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, as Matthew, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, records for us the birth of Jesus, this moment in history, in the time and space of mankind, where God comes, where God moves from eternity into this world in which we live. And the way Matthew begins that is in some ways in chapter 1 a bit odd. The first 17 verses, almost two-thirds of the first chapter, are given over to this genealogy. It begins with Abraham and then will end with Joseph who was married to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what it does is it produces for us a lineage that is going to bring whoever is the Christ, whoever is that one who is coming from God, it is going to show us that here is this lineage that runs right from Abraham. He is going to be Jewish. He is going to be the one who is a fulfillment of all these prophecies which God has given to his people, saying, and he will come. And of course, in the middle of that, as it goes on, there are numerous people which are mentioned, but then it moves not just that he will be Jewish and fulfill those prophecies that God has given, but then it identifies that he will be of the family of David. To Abraham, he he has given this promise that this family, this group that he will produce through Abraham will live and go on and on and on. And through David, he has promised a kingship that will live forever and be eternal. And so he meets those fulfillments, or he fulfills those prophecies and those things, both in the lineage of Abraham and of David. And then in that, as we started last week, we mentioned in verse 18 in chapter 1, where then Matthew says, and this is how it happened at the birth of Jesus. We know there are many other details which Matthew does not include in the In the Gospel of Luke, it is written quite differently. It records the same birth, but tells us about shepherds and angels in a different manner. But here, in verse 18, he says, this is exactly how it would happen and what happened. And then in verse 22, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. And this then, of course, is that He's saying all that happens, everything that he has put in verses 18, 19, 20, 21, and up through 22, all is there to fulfill this prophecy. And then they quote from Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, the virgin shall conceive this miracle birth, bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, or God with us. He has written by God's Spirit inspiring him, leading us to this moment of the birth of the one who is going to be God with us. The Christ that they were waiting for, the Messiah, the one who's going to come 
And of course, they are going to give him the name Jesus because he will forgive their, the sins of the people. Now, then if you look as what was read to us in chapter 2, it continues this account. Because before in chapter 1 he says, this is how the birth happened. Now he says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east. So the first thing he's saying is now, after God comes in the person of Jesus, there are certain things that we need to also consider. And in that, he's going to write about a man named Herod who was a king. And he's going to write about wise men, or some translations as in the international would say, magi. And let me just say, as we start with them, the magi are not, sometimes we might, in our modern English, want to move over to magicians. But that's not what the term means, of course. And other translations have used the title of wise men. Now, what they were, evidently, was a group of very intelligent people who studied philosophy or stars, or they were consulting a variety of different things. Now, in our modern Christian history, there's a lot of tradition about them. Have you ever heard the song, We Three Kings from Orient Are? I mean, sung much better than that, of course. Well, that's actually not here, is it? As a matter of fact, if you want to research that, it's a very interesting thing. There was this tomb or coffin which came about in the year 340-41, moved from Constantinople, or what's today Istanbul, up to Constantine, and was given to him, and it was said that in it contained the remains of these three. And then they moved it from there up to uh, Germany, actually Cologne or Köln, Deutschland, in the cathedral there. They moved that in about the mid-1100s by ox cart from north of Rome all the way there to make it a pilgrimage place. And then at the end of the 1100s, they built this incredible tomb for them, which was a like a wooden... Um, sarg or, or coffin, but then covered with beautiful design and gold. And out of that, then they also had the names of three kings representing tribes. Now, the only three that Matthew mentions to us is the three gifts. And I'm guessing that tradition took, it out of, took the names out of that, but that they came and worshipped is very clear in history. Justin Martyr, maybe a hundred plus years after the resurrection of Jesus, wrote and talked about these three who had come from Arabia to worship. Now, what they have in Germany, I don't know what that is. It is certainly a tradition, and if you look at the uh, Stadtwappen, what is that in English? The, the, the flag, the coat of arms of the city of Cologne you'll find on it there are three golden crowns which represent this. But I think the fact that we can go back to is these ancient writings outside of the Bible that also confirm that in that time 
there were those who came from Arabia to worship. Now that Arabia is not Saudi Arabia, as we would think of it today, or in Persia or somewhere. That could have been anywhere eastward of what was Israel or Judah at that time. And so we look at that and think, wow, they came. What's that all about? You know, and in it, they brought a message that really was problematic for Herod. It said he was deeply troubled, or he was deeply concerned, and all of Jerusalem with him. What was their message? Their message was this, three things. First, they made a question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And then they gave two reasons of why they asked this question. First, they said, we have seen his star, and in the original it almost means rising, coming into being. Well, what is that all about? Well, and there are, if you would want to read, I think from this Christmas to next Christmas, if you read about a book a day, you could get part of, partially the way through the books that have been written about how this all came into being. Now, what, what the Bible tells us is very clear, and if you go back to the original, it's a concept of, of this coming up, this, this happening, this beyond human, human power. There, there was something special that was happening. And as these men were watching this, as they were studying, all of a sudden they saw something happen, a star in that sense, coming up that was not there before. Now, many people have researched and said, well, was that a coming together of some planets that they saw? Was that this? Was that? We don't know exactly. But what we do know is that they saw something. You see, these, these magi or these wise men, if you go into the book of Daniel, for example, after Daniel is taken to Babylon, and then he serves the king, and he's put in this special school because of his intelligence, and he learns the languages and the cultures, and then he's brought into a group of advisors, and then all of a sudden he is then called to the king because the king has said, I've had this dream. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 of the book of Daniel has this dream, and he calls in all of the magi, the wise men. And he says to them, tell me what my dream meant. You remember the dream? It's a golden head. It's then silver, then bronze, and then clay, and then iron. And he says, you tell me what that dream means. And of course, the magi, the wise men said, nobody can do that. You tell us your dream, and we'll tell you what it means. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I want men who know more than just normal intelligence. I want you to tell me the dream and then tell me its meaning. And they said, we can't do that. And he said, okay, then I will get rid of all of you wise men, all of you magi, and start with others. And when Daniel hears that, he sends a message back and says, oh, king, give us a day and we will come with the answer. And he asks his three friends to pray with him. And as they pray in that evening, God gives him the picture of the dream, and then gives him the interpretation. You read that in chapter 2. And as he goes through, he says, King, you are this, and then these other kingdoms that will come after you are this, and then there will come one. 
like a rock that has not been carved with hands. And it will crush all of these kingdoms and it will be a kingdom forever. And then in chapter 2, verse 48, it says, and then as the king rewarded Daniel, he then put him over all of the magi or wise men of Babylon. So maybe something through that they had this idea, but also, as we read in those other verses, one I find is very interesting because if this is from Arabia, and the reason people not only say that Arabia was in those early writings, but Arabia also is the place where the sap or the trees that produce the sap that produce frankincense and myrrh are found. And so what they're saying again and again is it's from this land east of where Jerusalem was, and they saw this star. Now, it's so interesting, and ah, I'm trying to figure out what to leave out at this moment, and it's nothing is fitting into that category well. But just let me remind you one other thing. There is this incredible prophet by the name of Balaam in the book of Numbers. He was an odd man, if there ever is a record of an odd person in the Bible. They came to him asking him to come and curse. This was the time that Israel was marching through the land of the Midianites and the Amorites, and they asked him as a prophet to come and to curse them. And so he, they come, offer him big money, and he goes and prays, and God says no. And then they go away, and then they come back in a few days offering more. And he says, well, instead of just saying no, God has said no, he says, if you stay overnight, I will ask God again. And so God, he asks God, and God says, okay, if you want to, you can go. Let me just say as we go into this sermon, if God has ever told you no, don't try to negotiate. Seriously. God means what he says. Because we find in the story of Balaam then, and you remember that probably in Sunday school, where he mounts his donkey the next day and goes with them, and follows them to where they want him to be. And as he rides the donkey, remember the story about the donkey walking into the stone wall and crushing his leg, and then moving another way and doing something else, and finally the donkey lying down on the ground, and he's got his uh, whatever kind of in disciplining the donkey. And then, for me, who came from an agricultural background, I remember one time reading these verses, and I just broke into laughter. Because then, a dialogue begins. The donkey begins to talk to the prophet. And the prophet is talking back to the donkey. The donkey says, prophet, why are you beating me? Well, you're not going. And it's like this, a very good conversation, dialogue. And finally, he says, the prophet says, why are you doing this? And the donkey looks at the prophet and says, prophet, have I ever done this with you before? Oh, that would be like, I don't know what it would be like. But all of a sudden, something that has never spoken is carrying on a conversation with you, and you're not thinking, what is happening here? And then God opens his eyes, and there's the angel of the Lord with a sword. He would not have made it alive through the journey. And he repents. And God says, no, you wanted to go, go, but speak only my words. And what happens in the story of Balaam, they call him on the mountain, and he, instead of cursing them, he speaks the words of God and he blesses them. And this happens once, twice, three, and the fourth time, this is what he says. 
He says, the son of Balaam, or the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor. He said, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with eyes uncovered. Then listen to verse 17, what he says. I see him, but not now. There's one coming. He says, I behold him. He is not, not, not now, but not near. So he's coming in the future. And then listen to this. And a star will come out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel, and it will crush the forehead of Moab and break the sons of Seth. It could have also been that. Because this is the exact area from which they were coming. That they had also heard that when this star or this appeared, that it meant that the Messiah was coming. Now, why do we look at all this? Well, one of the reasons we look at it is look at the response. You see, they ask this question because we have come, because we've seen his star, we've seen this happening, and now we know this is something special from God, and we know this is happening, but now, he said, we have come to worship him. They did not come to worship Herod. You remember, Herod was not of that lineage that he should have been king. He was there, and the Romans had appointed him king. And now the king coming from God, God himself, God the Son, was coming. And so he was deeply concerned. But in that, do you notice that Herod did not question who was coming? Nor did the scribes, nor did all of Jerusalem question who was coming. Their only question was, where is he? And Herod immediately turns to the chief priests and the scribes and he says, tell me where the Christ will be born. They knew who they were talking about. They understood that God was coming. His name is Emmanuel, you know. And yet they were not ready for God to come. Deeply troubled them. And then they quote this verse and they say, we found it for him in Bethlehem, the land of Judea by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now you see, they told him. This is what Matthew records for us. Because I was reading this and I was concerned. Because I said, actually, what we have here is the first part of, of, of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And then it pauses with the last phrase and skips down to Micah chapter 4. And there it says, and he was, will shepherd the flock in the strength of the Lord. And so I looked and said, well, what did they then leave out? And I think they left out maybe as they're reporting back to Herod because Herod was an appointed king and the new king was coming. You see, the scribes are these people who came these magi, they came to Jerusalem. They knew it was the king of the Jews. And they came to the capital city, Jerusalem. They came to the king who was in the palace because the king, the new king, that's where they would expect him to be. But he was not. And listen to what the, the last phrase of Micah 2, as it was read to us earlier, I'm sure you caught this. It says, and from Judah, it says, from you shall come forth for me. And I looked that up because that isn't in there what they quoted back to Herod. 
But for me, and actually in the Hebrew, it's me is all in capitals. In other words, God is saying, and this one who's coming through Bethlehem, he's coming because of me, God. And then it goes on and says this, and look what it says. Wow. Verse 2. Who's coming forth, who's coming out, is from the old. Or otherwise, if you look that up also in your interlinear, you'll find that it means that it goes back to, it goes back to the beginning. And then it says, and for, before the ancients. And if you look that up, you'll find it goes back to eternity. And so literally what he is saying in, in this verse is he's the one who is before the beginning. He's at the beginning and he goes back into eternity and he is coming because God has said he will come through Bethlehem. It almost sounds like John 1.1, doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And he came. It's, it's an amazing truth. Well, what do we do with all these things? You see, God is coming. What do the people do when God comes? I think that's what Matthew is writing to us about, is what do they do? Well, they then, when Herod summoned the wise men or the magi secretly. I want you to note that about Herod. He knew the information. He knew who was coming. And he chose then to take the next step secretly. When you find him, come and tell me that I might go and worship him too. Of course, we know if you read the rest of this story that's recorded in chapter 2, he found the date and then he went to Bethlehem and he killed all of the male children two years and under. You see, when God comes, can I just ask you this question? You're celebrating Christmas 2022. We are celebrating that, that God has come. Is the temptation when you sit and realize that this is the moment when God came into our world, came for us? Is there a moment where one would try to do what Herod did, to let's negotiate, let's do things secretly, because our intent is not to do that which he would have us do. And then look what happened. Then they, he told them Bethlehem, they leave. And then whatever this star was that they had seen previously, then in Matthew's record, remember they said they had seen it rising. Now Matthew says in that same star, which had appeared previously, it appeared and it moved from where they were, leaving Jerusalem, it says, and stood over the house where the child and Mary, his mother, were. And when they came and identified that, they came in and they worshipped him, giving these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me just take out of that for a moment to notice how they worshipped. They took their treasure and they took the top off. In other words, it is now yours. As I was reading through that in these past weeks, it just hit me again. You know, I like worship. I love the music. There are some songs which deeply, deeply touch me. I love listening to people pray. 
I love listening when you pray. It moves me deeply. Some days I read certain verses and it just jumps out at me. And I thank God. But you know, I was thinking this again as I read this verse. How long has it been since I took that which is for me treasure? And I bring it to him. And I take the top off signifying it belongs to you. You see, isn't that true worship? Might I just ask you, how long has it been since you have worshipped in this manner? Not just moved in emotion and heart and person, but moved to the point where you bring that which is absolute treasure and present it to him. Well, that's what worship is defined here. And then God warned them in verse 12 in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go to another way. Just look for, with me for a few moments. This is Christmas. How God led these magi or wise men. He led them by, they studied or they did that which was really of interest to them. And as they did that, there was this moment when something happened. They described it as a star arising. When they realized this was something beyond just what they normally looked at, studied or understood. This was a God moment. And when they found out what that God moment meant, there's a king coming. Then they took the journey. They responded and did what they knew they could do. They went to Jerusalem. And there they found out more. They asked, where is he? And the answer was, they opened to them the Bible. So through the things of interest, through the things they did, God spoke. They respond. Then the Bible gave them instruction. And as they followed that, then the star came, and as they followed the star, they came and then they worshipped. And before they left, God gave them a personal dream. You see how God began here and then got closer and closer and closer until he's leading them even from their innermost being. The leading of God. And he was leading them that they might come and find him. And let's close today with their question. Their question isn't about who he was. They knew that. The question was, where is he? And could I ask you to take that question with you? And if you have a sticky note, if you're a sticky note person, or if you need a new thing on your handheld just for this week, could you put there that question? Where is he? I don't want you just to have the question and you look at it when you brush your teeth or you comb your hair or you, before you look at your email. I want you to do that, but I want you during this week to answer that question. See, many of us would say, yeah, well, he came and he's gone and now he's in eternity and so we just celebrate Christmas. But you see, the whole story, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, he has come to forgive his people from their sins or to save them from their sins. May I ask you this question? Where is he? Is he in your heart? Do you know the personal relationship with God? Where he, through his Holy Spirit living in us as he's forgiven sin and lives within us, is he in our lives? 
why we do things, why we make decisions, how we live our lives. Are they reflective of God? This morning I listened to a song that was contemporary about 12 years ago. It's very American, so I apologize to all of you who it would be offensive to probably if we played it. It's called, Where is the Line for Jesus? It's a story about a little boy who goes into a big shopping center. And he sees a line for people buying presents. He sees a line for people going to, do you know what Santa Claus is? St. Nicholas. He sees all these lines and he comes and asks the person, uh, isn't Christmas Jesus' birthday? Where's the line to see Jesus? And as I listened to that again, I realized it's the same question the Magi, the wise men, were asking Herod. Where is he? Where is he? And may you, this Christmas week, answer that question. And may your friends, your relatives, those colleagues at work, know where he is by watching and seeing our lives. May God bless us as we pray today. Father, thank you again for this time, and thank you for your word. And I pray for each of us, might we be able to experience the reality that you, O oh God, have come to save us from our sins, but also, Lord, to live within us and to guide our lives and to direct us and lead us. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for all the traditions. We thank you for everything we celebrate. But in the midst of that, may we keep you in the very center of all things. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit in his faithfulness and his just mercy and grace remind us as we walk through this week, may you ask us very pointedly that question, where is he? Where is he? And Lord, might we with joy and with just thankfulness be able to answer, he is here in me. And we worship you now, praise you in Jesus' name.